So welcome, kindred spirits. Namaste to all. So today's podcast is going to be a little bit different than our usual podcast, because today I'm the one that's going to be interviewed. And I'm going to be interviewed by a dear friend and fellow student or former student, YTT student, yoga teacher student, who is with us, Abbas Tabach. He is from originally from Lebanon. He was, grew up on the Ivory Coast in Africa, and he now lives in California. And last year, he came to visit us and to do his studies as a yoga teacher in our 200 YTT that we give, and also to become an equine yoga teacher in our certification program. He also stayed some time as an intern. And we all got to really know him and definitely love him a lot. He's a very special person. And you can see in his eyes, his eyes show everything. They, they are the mirrors to his soul. And he has a very, very beautiful soul. I don't think I've actually ever had a student who I've seen so passionate and so dedicated to the process and living yoga. He takes it with enthusiasm, with his heart, and he delves deeply into this subject, the many subjects, the many paths, the many rabbit holes. He's always down some rabbit hole trying to find somewhere else where he might go or discover things. He has two horses in Africa that he loves very much that I know. He's talked to me about them. And two horses in California. And his passions in life have also been horses and yoga. And we'll have a day in the future that we'll definitely have invite Abbas on for a podcast so he can tell his stories because he has many to tell, many adventures, and I'm sure we all, we all would love to hear them. But today he's going to interview me. I'd like to welcome Abbas to our podcast. Namaste, Abbas. Namaste, Terry. Namaste, everybody. Uh, such an honor to be here. <laughs> it's such an honor to have you. <laughs> and now I will let Abbas lead the way. Open the, open the eyes and see the light. <laughs> <laughs> This beautiful light in front of me, you, Terry. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Namaste. Peace to everybody. Peace and light in the world, in the universe, which is the words of my teacher, Terry. She used to always close her sessions with that. Peace in, peace in your heart, peace in the world. <laughs> well, I have an, uh, it's an honor for me to be here today uh, to interview my teacher. This is such an honor. I never thought I'd be in this position because she means so much to me and she has taught me so much. So I will give you guys a little introduction of Terry from what I know, because me going into rabbit holes, I did all this research about her and asked her all these <laughs> questions and from these observations. So today I do have the honor to present to the world this beautiful soul, my mentor, a phenomenal person, Terry, which has inspired me in so many ways. And she's been an important pillar in my spiritual journey and my yogi path, which hasn't started long ago, but we'll go into details later on into the conversation. Terry is a lifelong horsewoman. She's an amazing teacher, that's for sure. An amazing yoga teacher. She'll touch you to the core. And she shares a strong love and passion for horses and nature. She's also a certified equine assisted yoga therapist. It was such a long word for me to capture in my mind, but she'll talk about that. Very interesting. She's an energy healer, the founder of Spiritual Horsemanship, former owner of a hotel in Cahuita, which is in the Caribbean side of uh, Costa Rica, mother of two daughters, and a parent of many, many, many horses and animals and dogs and cats. And <laughs> she's an amazing mother. She's an amazing human being. She started traveling with her parents at an early age, and she has worked in the travel industry for 35 years, if I'm not mistaken, approximately. And she's visited a few dozen countries and uh, has, exposed, has been exposed to many cultures and speaks a few languages other than the horse language, which <laughs> she'll probably speak about that too. <laughs> she has a very interesting path in yoga, spirituality, connection with horses, and many other mysterious sides of her that I still discover as our friendship develops. And uh, she never ceases to amaze me with her strength, her passion for everything that she does. She's a strong warrior with an incredible story to share with us today. Let me tell you 
she has a deep understanding of the nature of people and she has the gift of sensing different kind of energies around. I don't want to spoil her beautiful story and steal her time because I can go on and on and on and on <laughs> about all this inspiration that I get from her and she deserves to be on a pedestal. So let's, let's gallop into your story, Terry. <laughs> I don't have a horse here, but we'll try to oh, be gallop horses. anyways. Yes, let's gallop. <laughs> namaste, Terry. Namaste. 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 And thank you again for having me today and giving me this honor to interview you. And I have so many questions. You know me. Usually I go to Terry's classes when I used to be at Kindred Spirits. And before going to classes, I had questions all night before even getting to the first class in the morning. And Terry sees me coming. She's like, hmm, let me get straight into the subject. But she taught me how to hold myself. <laughs> so I went to Terry. Yeah, I went to Terry knowing almost nothing except my love for horses and my love for yoga, the little that I knew. And uh, <clears throat> I really didn't know what I was signing up for when I went to Kindred Spirits. Officially, it was a yoga retreat. I was leaving Africa, and I just wanted to pursue my spiritual path. And I was doing a whole bunch of research, and I saw horses, yoga horses. I was like, hmm, <laughs> what is this? Who is this woman? <laughs> So I did some research, emailed them, uh, emailed them, and they replied. And my gut feeling just took me to you guys, Terry. And I'm so grateful that I chose this path to start on your grounds, on your beautiful in your beautiful home. She's welcomed me in such a beautiful way. I felt like I was literally her son, her brother, <laughs> everything. I even saw Terry cried one night. So that's, that was amazing. <laughs> oh my God. So I want to start to tell you guys a little bit about, uh, I want you to tell us, Terry, a little bit about your background, uh, where you were born, how you grew up. I mean, you have such an interesting story, which is filled with pit stops, which eventually led you to where you are today. So if you give us a little bit of history where you were born, Where's your family from and your excitement in the boat and everything. So Mike is on your, on your end, Terry. Well, yeah, that's kind of a long story, but I'll, I'll try <laughs> to keep it as short as I can. So I grew up in Canada and I grew up with horses. My parents actually didn't know anything about horses, but since I could walk or talk, I could only speak or say anything horses. I had paper horses, ceramic horses, wooden horses, drew horses, anything horses, talked horses, anything. I just, all I could say is I want a horse, I want a pony, I want a pony. And uh, we lived in the countryside. We had, they had a farm. And so they kind of just gave into it because they were tired of listening to me, I think. And I came home. I remember, I'll remember that day. I came home at six years old, got off the bus, those orange yellow buses we have in Canada got off and there I saw a saddle sitting on the fence. And I thought, oh, my horse is here. And sure enough, my <laughs> horse was there. It went on for a long story. It was a beautiful little half Arabian pony, two years old, because my parents had this great idea that I was young and the horse should be young so we could grow up together, which is as an experienced horse person, you know that that is really just, that is going towards failure. And it kind of did. My, the only person that had a little bit of experience of riding, I think my mother in Germany had gone to riding classes two times. So she decided to get on my little pony, which I named Cochise after an indigenous Native American um, Indian. And so he, um, he took her off. And the next thing I saw was an ambulance, an ambulance that came back with my mother in it and my pony gone. My mom went to the hospital. She was fine in the end. He sort of took her off under a tree and got rid of her. And he galloped away. And my father and I spent about two days in our pickup looking for my lost pony until we found him. And he ended up in this local riding stable, broke down the fence, took out all the mares and horses and led them down the highway. Needless to say, they had to catch all their horses. He was covered in barbed wire because he broke everything down. And when we finally found him, their first thing was, I think your daughter's going to need some riding lessons. And so my life began, began there learning how to ride horses from actually a quite amazing couple. They were originally from Holland and both their sons, which were Canadians, um, had been in the Olympics in dressage and in eventing as well. So I really landed well and they were tough, they were tough teachers, you know, old school, tough, scary, 
But after classes, there was a lot of warmth in their old rundown farmhouse and barn cats and hot chocolate on cold evenings. So it was um, a tough school, but it was a loving and really good school as well. So I'm very grateful to the Kempers for that. And then at the age 12, my parents decided to sell everything, my horses included, and live the material, leave the material life in their own way. They were bohemians, and they were tired of making all this money and just paying taxes and having no time with their daughter. So they decided to sell it all and go live on a sailing boat, which I was not happy about at all. It really broke my heart. I left my friends, my, my dog that I grew up with, my horses. I mean, I literally almost didn't want to speak to them for a year. I was so angry and frustrated. But little bit by little bit, I started to find that um, a, a new passion for sailing. I love sailing. I love the sea. I love the dolphins and the boats and the countries we went to, the historical places. And I learned so much. And so I am grateful, even though I was resentful to my parents, but I am forever grateful for the education they actually gave me. And we lived together as a family. There was no TV. There was no phones. There was nothing. I did my homeschooling through correspondence courses. I read. We went on walks. We just had a very much simpler life than the very materialistic life that we'd had in Canada. So it, it was a good experience. And where I could, as soon as I saw a horse, I would find a way to jump on a horse and exchange, clean out a stall or brush or clean the horse if they would just let me ride him. So that's how I continued sort of my connection with horses, which was very sporadic. And then I moved to Costa Rica in 1995 with my husband, who was French at the time, and my first daughter. And the first thing I did was get a horse. So once again, I started <laughs> one horse, became two horses, became three horses, became four. And that's how that sort of my horse life started. At the same time, I was studying under and went to different masters to learn more about, especially about natural horsemanship and different things I was interested because in, I really felt there was a better way to connect with the horse. And so I was really interested in that aspect. And at the same time, I was also having my own little yoga practice a bit. So I really wanted to, um, to have that connection with horses and not just get on a horse and do something. So not really knowing where I was going to, that I knew that was my path. And that was back in the early, the late 90s, I guess, that I started that and having my own experiences with horses and training and just galloping free bareback on the beaches. You know, it was very freestyle. It was no, I was not in any competitions. So it was all about, you know, I remember the first horse I had, my daughter was four years old. I threw a halter around his head. I get on him bareback, bring her up on bareback behind me. She had her big bag of um, all her shovel and her buckets to make sandcastles. And off we'd go to the beach, the three of us. My horse would be free eating the free grass. She'd be building her sandcastles and I'd be sunbathing and we'd be swimming in the sea. And that's kind of a lot of my connection in that way grew naturally with my horse. And it was similar to the way as a little girl that I grew up with my horses just in the countryside as well. So... That's a little bit to begin with, I guess. If I went <laughs> no, that's a that's a beautiful story. I mean, I I didn't know that part of you, uh, yeah. the upbringing with the horses. So you definitely do have a connection with the horses, and uh, an interesting path. Selling that's 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 just beautiful. I'm sure you had so you had some pretty interesting stories, uh, just meeting random people while doing this and uh, growing up. Should shouldn't be that easy you know you just want to be what other people do but at the same time you love selling which is uh which is an interesting path that i haven't heard much from other people and um now i, I want to ask you at what point did yoga and spirituality uh trigger into your journey uh what how did you start yoga how did you start practicing yoga <laughs> started yoga just as a practice but as a very physical practice when I was about 19 or 20 and it was on a boat that we were living on at the time with my um I guess I was 20 because it would have been my boyfriend at the time who became my husband Hervé who was French um I found this old pocketbook of yoga and I was looking into it and I think oh this is a fun way to exercise oh I could do something here and I'm sure there was chapters of pranayama and meditation in there but I didn't look at that part I just looked at the pictures and looked at the pictures and read what I was supposed to do and sort of copied and I just played on like this with this on the deck of my boat really not knowing much what I was doing but being very attracted to it I thought oh this is different I like this because it was different you know when you're young you're always looking for something different to be different than someone else and I thought oh 
this will make me different, I guess. But it was from a very physical aspect. And then afterwards, through the years, I started being a little bit more interested in it, especially when I was pregnant with my first daughter. I uh, wanted to do something that would physically keep me fit. I was a very fit person. I windsurfed a lot, did a lot of activities, sailing, of course. So I wanted to keep in shape. So I decided, okay, how can we, through yoga, can this keep, help me keep healthy and well for me and my baby? So I, I had the time, I think they were, I'm not sure if DVDs were out. I guess DVDs were out. Yeah. It was a DVD in yoga or maybe an eight track. Anyways, I started doing that. And then I started going to a couple of classes where I could, like in Paris and places like that. But it was, again, from a very um, physical aspect. But I was very drawn to it, but I didn't know why. It was, I didn't even know there was more to it, basically. I was just drawn to it. And then when I moved to Costa Rica in 95, a neighbor, a beautiful woman, she's from California. She's a Buddhist, um, a yoga teacher, and an artist, amazing painter. And she had this beautiful um, house with a big, gigantic wooden deck overlooking the sea. And as her contribu contribution to the community, she would give two yoga classes free uh, a week, and a meditation class, free or on donation, whatever people could give. If it was a cake or an apple or a stone or a flower, or some money, whatever. It was just her way of contributing. And she was a lovely, lovely person. And um, so I, I went to her meditation class as well. And I just felt, oh, there's something more and deeper to my life here. This is, there's something interesting. What is this? And at the time, I've been, I was going through some really difficult um, personal issues. Um, my stepfather, my mother's husband, he was dying of cancer. And we were taking care of him at home. And my husband, we were going through our divorce and separation. My mother, after the death of my stepfather, she became very sick as well. So I was, there was a lot of pain, a lot of emotion, a lot of trauma going on in my life. And I just knew that going to yoga saved me. It, it grounded me. It healed me. And I didn't know why, but it made me feel better. And I started having these feelings. There's something more to my life. There's something more I need to do. It was almost like a feeling, it's time for me to go home. And I kept saying that. And at the time that I was saying that, my husband, who we were divorcing at the time, what do you mean going home? And I said, I don't know. It's just time for me to go home. And that's all I can really could explain and understand at the time. Through that, through a horse that I had who became very ill, and that's a, a very long story, but I also found, I discovered, I had to discover new ways to heal her because the Western medicine was not working. So through this, I started my studies as a energy healer, metaphysical energy healer and um, Reiki, etc. And so with that, through that, and then my yoga path started to go deeper and deeper as I discovered that more there was behind it through the meditation, through starting reading books and understanding. And I continued that. And then I met my friend Corinne as we, the, the beautiful person I interviewed on our first podcast Amazing Corinne. <laughs> yes, amazing Corinne. And she helped me become a yoga teacher. And I, I became a yoga teacher. She is my teacher, my guru. And um, so that was a wonderful experience. So, th and then um, I guess as I was at the time that I was before I met Corinne, I was feeling these feelings doing going to my yoga classes, having my own daily yoga practice at home, going through my, my spiritual searching of who I am, where was home until I found home was right here within me. But the horses I discovered too were helping me and guiding me. My mare that had been sick could push me. I literally feel she, I, I, her story and our story together pushed me in maybe areas in my life I might have not gone, gone without her. And as a, my personal belief is that horses come, have decided to stand by man throughout the ages, no matter how they've been treated to help us spiritually advance and evolve. And I truly feel this connection with my horses, that they're constantly nudging me and pushing me further. They're helping me to feel safe and find my peace within. But they're also nudging me to go past my limits, to find out more, to discover more, that there's more out there you need to do. Even now, right now, they've been pushing me around a bit. I don't know what they're <laughs> up to. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so it, it's, I just felt this, this, it was the same. And I think there's, there's different paths for everyone to follow. We're all on different paths in our life, looking for our dharma and our purpose, whether we're aware of it or not. We're still on our paths, each and every one of us. And sometimes we can look to others with, you know, judgment or frustration or what are they doing, but they're only on their path and they're on their path they need to be. So it's trying to have a bit of compassion for that. And I learned that through that, through my own mistakes, maybe there weren't mistakes, or choices 
that I learned these experiences and these were experiences I needed to learn. So everyone needs to learn their own experiences. But back to the horses, it was like this feeling that, okay, there was something more and I could see they were giving me the same energy, the same guiding power as yoga did. And yoga is about union. So, and with horses, I wanted this union with horses, but I didn't just get that union in connection with them. I got, they taught me, showed me the way how to find that union with me, with myself and with, with the divineness that's within all of us. I mean, and they still do, they constantly do. Cause you know, as you've seen Abbas, when you're here and in your connection with horses, I'm sure too, that horses are always connected. They're always present. They're always aware. They, they are there already. You know, they, they are where we want to be and they guide us and help us. So everything with yoga and horses for me, is just so similar. There are two paths that for me, follow each other diagonally and sometimes crisscross, almost like Ida and Pingala going up the Sushuma channel. You know, <laughs> they cross in these two energy rising. This is how I feel my life's been since I've integrated yoga and horses in it. Absolutely. That's, uh, that's such a profound story, uh, Terry, and everything that you've went through. And I'm sure the listeners will understand that it hasn't always been you know, the life, like we say in French, la vie en rose, <laughs> life is beautiful always, you know. Uh, Terry went through some hard times in her life. She went through a lot of ups and downs, wasn't easy. I'm sure she had a lot of breakdown and she did find this connection with the horses, bring her back to where home is. Like they say, Ichigo home, Terry comes home. <laughs> so that was basically what it was. And uh, just to let you know, Terry today has eight horses, if, unless she has an addition or... No, I'm eight sure. horses. No, eight horses. Yeah, she really has nice. eight beautiful, amazing horses. Each one has a different personality. It's just incredible. And she does have a connection with every single one in a different way. And uh, it's, I, I hope most of you or some of you will have uh, the opportunity to go and visit her ranch her property down in Costa Rica. It's amazing. She built it from her heart. And like they say, horse people are always broke. We are always broke, but we're so rich inside. And I'm speaking for myself. When you have a horse around you, you feel so filled, even in the hardest times of your, of your journey, whether it's uh, problems in life, whether it's death, whether it's whatever it is, just being around horses is just an incredible, an incredible feeling. And um, I'm sure all the horse people would know that. And it's definitely something to dive into uh, in search of, I won't say liberation, but relief or uh, uh, just disconnect, disconnect from this world and connect to who we really are. Just like Terry saying, you know, I need to go home. Where is home? Home is inside of us. And horses definitely teach us that that I had quite a few experience at Terry's property, but we'll probably talk about that later if we have time. And uh, I just want to ask you one question, Terry. Today, today, what is yoga after all these years of practice and learning? How do you see yoga? Because I know you're way beyond, you know, just the physical practice, which is an important part of yoga, one of the lambs. But what is the meaning of yoga for you today? Well, I think it's where I began with that feeling. It's home. It's finding and being with myself and accepting myself and accepting life as it is and how others are, how my horses are in any given day. It's really about, I mean, it's, it sounds so cliche to say it, but it really is about living each day at a time. And it's so especially important for us now is where none of us can projecting too much into the future because we don't know what's happening in the future, the way things as they stand today with COVID. But for me, it is, it is a lifeline, definitely. But what it means to me right now, it means... As, let, me, let me rephrase maybe like, okay. has your approach to life changed, changed yes. after you start practicing yoga and being into the uh, mind frame of yoga? Definitely. Has, uh, I'm a to-doer, okay? Mm -hmm. I am a person, I mean, like, I'm, I, I'm, not a, I'm not like a machine that's constantly doing things in that way, but if, if there are difficult times, if there's a crisis, I'm the one that will jump into the fire, 
Okay. And yeah. I'm also, I'm always looking, I mean, I, I, maybe through my life, you know, lack of money situations, what different things I am um, always looking for ways to survive. Right. And sometimes my daughter, who in some ways we call, Johanna and I call her the little booty, the little Yoda, because she comes up with these little words of wisdom and she's not a yogi, but there's so much wisdom in her little words now and then. It's interesting. And she's a grown adult, by the way, <laughs> at 29. But anyways, so it's just, I will, I, I will very easily move into that mode of I need to do something to save us, Right. Um, I need to create things. I, and it's hard for me, it has been hard for me to, to refrain from always having to say you need to do things. It's important, especially now, is to say, no, this is not the time to do things. This is the time to connect with yourself and find the right choices. So yoga gives me that, that freedom or that reason to say, it's okay not to do anything. <laughs> it's okay to just be. And it was just the other day, I think it's one of Sadhguru's messages is, you know, live, live each day with passion, this day with passion, not tomorrow, not the next day. And I think that's one of the main things yoga has taught me is to live now, today, this moment with passion, this moment with my horse, whatever's going on with my daughter, uh, with my students, with you, is to refrain from thinking, okay, but tomorrow I need to think about this. It doesn't change so much. And I find we have to make plans. I'm not saying that. But it helps me to stay connected with what is most essential in my life right now. And which is my life, living, being alive, being healthy. It's my connection to the animals, to the farm, to the nature. It's the connections to people I come in contact with. But not tomorrow, today. And so it's helped me just always reminds me to take a step back and just to be. And the horses remind me this too. And through this, and because of this, not only do I find more peace and happiness, but I hear my own wisdom. I hear my own voice. I make better judgment calls. I have a more clarity. And it helps me just to, to breathe and to live and to say, it's okay to be me. I'm going to find my way. That's beautifully said, Terry. And I experienced this firsthand with Terry one day when I was in Costa Rica and then her energy completely changed and she walked up towards the horses and she came back and Terry had that blank look in her face and I knew she was dealing with something. And uh, we kind of talked a little bit about what was going on and she, she reminded me that it's going to be okay. And the problem that she was going through was like a very big problem. It wasn't directly to her, but it was around her. And she knew how to ground herself. She knew how to set back and uh, recalibrate herself through the now and knowing that tomorrow is going to be okay. So every word that she's saying, there are definitely words of wisdom and truth. And she lives by those words. And I've experienced that myself. And uh, I want to ask you a question, Terry. Uh, a lot of people have this misconception about yoga and horses what yoga and horses is mm -hmm. you know can you explain a bit more uh the aspect of finding the connection with our horses to have a more harmonious life with ourselves and our horses and um if you can clear a bit about the misconception of how to explain to people what is it about when we say you know yoga and horses you know some people think it's just like ste stepping on the back of a horse and, you know, just doing a headstand or jumping left and right. And what is, what is that connection? How can horses actually teach us how to be, how to be in the moment, how to be who we are and how to connect, how can you connect to the now? Because what you taught me, and I hope you can, and I know you will be able to give that to our audience, what you taught me through sessions uh by the way guys i took the equine yoga therapy course with uh with terry it's an amazing course that all of you should at least look into it but going back to my question how can you describe that how can you explain this to our audience okay um <clears throat> well i don't always like to start or come from sort of a negative thing but i would like to begin what it's not and what it is not it's exactly that it's not about acrobats 
It's not about making that beautiful picture on top of a horse doing something incredible. And while that is fun and can give us a bit of joy, it's just, it's, we mustn't be attached to that. It's just a moment, okay? But that's not the reason. That's not the foundation. That's not what it's about. What it's about, from my perspective of yoga of horses, and there's different things. I mean, a lot of people do yoga for horses just to be physically fit and better riders. And while that's a very important aspect, it's not the main part of it. It is important aspect, but it's not. It's just like we have to stay healthy through our asana practice and yoga. Well, with our practice with horses, we want the horse to be healthy and us to be healthy. But it really, what it's about is about connection. And you can, um, if, you look at, if you look at the eight limbs of yoga, which um, maybe not all our listeners know that, but these are, these are ways, and it's like a manual to how to, to live our lives and what we can do to be better human beings for ourselves and how to find our inner wisdom and our inner connection. So they're all guidelines. And these guidelines, these same guidelines, can be used with our relationship with our horse as well. And yoga with horse is about connection. You know, yoga is the union, the union with ourselves, with the universal um, consciousness, with the the divine, with whatever word we want to to use for our personal beliefs. And And horses, it's about union. Horses live in union as a herd together. So the way they live together, either as a domestic herd that's always established with each other or as a wild herd, is um, similar to the codes of conduct or the yamas and niyamas. They have very important rules and they're about union. They're about harmony. And in yoga, we seek that union and that harmony and with horses too. Now, as as humans, we get caught up in in the to-dos and the to-beings and the whatnots and what we must do and what we want our horse to do and how we want to be. And through our practice of yoga, we, we are reminded that this is not what's important. It's, it's that coming back and just being with the horse. And, but it can be very difficult for the human to do it. So the yoga helps the human to come to that space of being in the moment and of acceptance and of non-attachment. And um, oh, I've had a thought there. Um, humans, we, get, we have the parasympathetic nervous system and the sympathetic nervous system. And the sympathetic nervous system is that flight fight response within us. And the parasympathetic is when we are calm, we digest. And, right, yeah, sometimes I get them backwards. No, that's right, that's right. Good. Yeah, I get, I get on that same thing. Oh, too. Yeah. <laughs> right, left, what? Okay. Um, yeah, so, and horses, they're such the perfect, beautiful example of this because they move back and forth with ease from flight mode, danger, run, to danger's gone, head down, eat grass, relax, and in harmony. That's how they've survived for 60 million years. And humans, we get stuck in the sympathetic mode. We get stuck in that flight, fight, survival mode, which means we are in stress, we're in anxiety. And when humans go to the horses, even if they don't think, they're holding on to that. So yoga is a way to bring that balance, to bring that balance of right and left, yin and yang, and bring us back into the the parasympathetic nervous system where we're in a calm, where we're present. And when we're calm and present, the horse feels that difference in energy, it's like, ah. And when they feel that difference in energy, they want to be connected with it. That vibration feels good to them. They want that, they want to be there. And you'll find, like you've seen, when we do meditation with the horses, they come eating the hay somewhere, looking out there. And as soon as all of a sudden, everyone gets into that vibration, all of a sudden the horses walk over to us and they'll choose someone and stand there and not move for the next 20 minutes, nothing. So it opens the door to have that connection with the horse. So that's how yoga helps us with our relation with the horse and vice versa. Our relationship with the horse helps us to be better yogis because through their example, through mirroring their behavior, we can understand what yoga is trying, what, what the, the, the philosophy or the, the, uh, the state of yoga is trying to tell us. They guide us there. They help us. They say, this is the way to go. They reflect us when we're in a, a mood of uh, when we're in that sympathetic, stuck in that sympathetic zone, um, they're the first to walk away and not want to be that energy. And if we observe and pay attention, we say, oh, I'm hiding something inside. Maybe there's a smile on my face, but inside I'm still stuck with that nervous stress energy. And it reminds us to come back to who we are. And when we are who we are, when we are that true authentic person, the horse is right there. And we have that true partnership with them. And we can do anything. 
we can train, you can train whatever you way you train. I do not believe in negative reinforcement. I believe in the free will of the horse. And I believe there is no reason whatsoever to practice himsa, which is harm. We need to practice ahimsa, which is non-harm. We can do everything with the horse without causing any force, any harm towards the horse. And the horse will be a much more willing partner. Um, but that said, people, you can still go and do train different ways as long as you become your true authentic self and become that sort of that present person aware of what's going on in the moment. And that's where the horses, we have that special union, that, that magic. People see that in some people in these beautiful um, riders with their horses do these magical things. How do they do it? It's not through, it, yes, there is hours and hours of training, but it's first of all because they trust and respect one each other. They are in the moment. They are zinc together in that moment together, in that moment, not the future moment, not the past moment, right then, right there. And that is that union between yoga and horses. And that is magic and real. I, I couldn't have explained this any better, Terry. <laughs> you just took me back. I just had a flashback, took me back to a moment of ecstasy on my first day natural ecstasy guys <laughs> don't get me don't understand <laughs> natural ecstasy on that first day when i didn't know what to expect and for me it was yoga and horses so i was going to learn some postures of yoga some asanas on horses and then as soon as we get down to the to the arena then terry just put some chairs down there and she says she helped us to ground ourselves first and close our eyes and do some meditation and breathing and sharing sacred space. And my head, I was just like, what? <laughs> I'm not here to And we did a whole week of sharing sacred space with the horse. And um, that by itself really shifted my understanding and my relationship with my horse, which makes me want to go back to Africa so bad to see my horse and practice all this. And due to the COVID, I still haven't had the chance to go there. But it's such a beautiful um, environment to be around. And one thing that I don't know if you mentioned that you can't lie to a horse. Mm -hmm. You definitely cannot lie to a horse. If you're trying to show your emotions that you're good, oh, okay, I'm fine. And I remember one day we were uh, riding in the arena and I never rode bitless on a training horse, except my mare, which you know I do whatever I want with her. And um, Terry was telling me, she was explaining to me how the breath is connected to the horse, how your heartbeat is connected to the heartbeat of the horse. And that by itself, the moment that I felt that instant, you know, I tried, you saw that, I tried about <laughs> 30 minutes and me being the macho guy, you know, the cowboy <laughs> and, you know, always riding bareback and going crazy. I never understood, it never clicked and that moment. Terry is just, it clicked because you told me, take a deep breath, control your horse with your breath and your horse will listen. And I had so many expectations and I had so many thoughts in my head and I was going ahead of the horse. Once I put my mind with the horse, everything was synchronized. It was just a beautiful, beautiful experience and feeling and lesson, lesson for me to, to, to step back a little bit and understand, you know, just be in the moment when you go see your horse or you go see your horse, you be around a horse, the horse is there to help us and not, not to scare us in any ways, you know, and the connection with horses are completely different. I've seen some people transform that Terry's program and they became completely Zen once they're around the horse after they get out you know life goes back again you know we all have our different ways of being in life and um, if you can just tell us a little bit terry about sharing sacred space sharing sacred space with the horse sharing sacred space is really it, it's mindfulness meditation you want to be in that same space and that same energy how your horse is and a horse is always present in the moment, and they're always aware of their surroundings. The sounds, the noises, the change, the shift, the vibrations, the energies. This is what has kept them alive all these years, right? So they are very present and aware. And if they are with a human being who is on his cell phone or thinking about what's for dinner or that traffic jam I was in or the fight I was in, he is not present. 
So that person becomes more of something he needs to be aware of. The energy's off there. Does he have to be afraid of it? Is it okay? What, even if he knows you and trusts you, it's still, he's like, what's going on there? I can't trust that completely. So the practice of sharing sacred space is to bring the human into that point of neutral, into that, just like in yoga, when we're trying to quiet that chatter, that monkey mind, and just be still. And once again, I mean, that's misperception sometimes in yoga too. It's not about shutting the mind off and becoming empty. That's humanly impossible. Yeah, it's about being present. And it's about, we can have thoughts, but we want to control the thoughts. So we, for instance, a thought comes in, it's an important thought. We can just listen to that thought and say, okay, and now let it go. But if it's an unimportant thought, we say, oh no, back to the present moment, that's not important. Maybe we hear a sound or smell something that reminds us, oh, what am I having for lunch? Okay, the thought can come in, but let it go. We stay present. We smelt. We understood what it was, what it meant for us. Now let it go. So when we can do that, we're staying, we're being mindful. We're being aware of the sounds and the smells and the vibration. We're always aware of where our horse is. It's very important to always be aware of the horse. So by making the person, not making, let's say, asking the person to stay still and be present and helping them through, because it's very difficult. Most people can't sit still. Um, is to help them first through, I like to bring them into some pranayama, some simple pranayama, just to balance the energies within them, because we all have these energies moving within us, and to bring us into that balanced state of energy so the horse also feels comfortable. They feel the shift immediately. And then with a guided meditation, it helps to quiet the mind and give the mind something to focus on, and at the same time to relax the body. So by that time, the person comes out of that guided meditation and then opens their eyes. You really see what's around you very differently. The colors are more vibrant. Everything is more defined. And you keep that present state of mind with the horses. So it's really practicing. When we're sharing sacred space, we're really practicing to imitate, not to imitate, but to be like Mm -hmm. a horse. Mirror a horse, yeah. Mirror a horse, be a horse, feel like a horse. And when we do, we can understand the horse better because we start to feel, oh, we heard that chainsaw. We heard that car coming there. Oh, someone went by on a bicycle. A dog barked in the distance. A parrot came overhead. None of that is dangerous. Oh, there's a horse going by. And if the horse knows that you saw those as well, are mindful of that, that makes them relaxed. Okay, she saw that too. Everything is good. We go back to grazing. So sharing that sacred space is really about helping people to come into neutral, to be calm, to be present, just as we do in yoga. It's, it, it's the same. It's, it's, I mean, I've had some amazing experiences with your horses, Terry, and you know, I can, we can go on and on and on, and hopefully in a different session. Uh, I had an incident actually with one of a horse that actually taught me uh, not to hold grudges against <laughs> anybody. And horses do not hold grudges. Let's say you come down and you try to hit, hit the hay. He'll show you who's boss. He just pushes you around. You go around, the other horse will go around, and then life goes on, you know? And then the horse can come back again, and they're bit by each other, play around with each other as if nothing happened. So they, they really teach you how to, you know, be in the moment and not hold grudges against anything. And whatever happens now does not determine tomorrow, does not determine yesterday. What the way I'm acting right now is in reaction to what's happening around me right now. Mm-hmm. And when we were doing the yoga class, a yoga class, an asana practice class, and then I barely touched one of her horses, Shido. And then he didn't like, he didn't like me touching him in a certain area. And he just like almost nipped at me, but not nipping in a bad way, just telling me, don't, don't do touch it. me there. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. And then I respected that. I kept on flowing, but not touching that area. And he was fine. After that, he was just all over my face and, you know, just giving me kisses and everything. Oh, by the way, I still hold Shido in my hand right here. Uh, That's a bracelet. This is Shido's name. (laughs) So horses are like great, great, amazing teacher. And um, I mean, we can go on and on about horses. Uh, I want to ask you a question. Another question, Terry. I want to ask you a lot of questions. I had 21 <laughs> questions. Uh-oh. I don't know if we're going to get them all. <laughs> no, I don't know where I am. You probably answer most of them. But how did you, I want you to know, I want, I, I, I want us to know uh, kindred spirits. See, Terry uh, actually runs a yoga school as well on her property. She's a registered yoga teacher. And uh, her courses are amazing. But she named it kindred spirits. How did you come up with the name Kindred Spirit? Because that's exactly how I felt when I was there. 
Okay. This is a, a story of a very good and dear friend of mine who I met many years ago. I had, well, Anya, you know Anya. Yeah. <laughs> Evie's horse. She's mm -hmm. our paint Costa Rican mare. And um, I had bought her, saved her all skinny with a, a little uh, six-month filly at foot. And she was just a bag of bones. The filly was fine. She was nursing, but the mare was in bad shape. She was a beautiful horse, but the owner had uh, lost all his money and basically the, he wasn't feeding the horses. So I, um, I had to buy the horse to save her, but I did buy her and she became Evie's horse. And then, um, so the filly, we were going to keep the filly, but it looked like Anya was in foal again. And it actually turned out to be a false pregnancy and it does happen to mares. She even had milk. Oh, that's another crazy story. But anyways... <laughs> So I thought, okay, I, I think I, I couldn't keep another horse. I said, well, for her to have her filly, I thought I need a new home for the baby, which was Anushka. And um, by chance, this woman came into my life, Nancy Zinsmaster, who is the partner of Carolyn Resnick in the Carolyn Resnick mm -hmm. method for training of horses, and both are dear friends of mine. Um, but at that time, she wasn't involved in that. This is many, many years ago. And we, we came together, and there was like, I think we're like, we've been in together, if one believes in past lives, which personally I have a tendency to. Um, we had these moments. We knew it was like, I don't know, we were sisters before. It was just electric. And we created this very strong friendship. And her husband and her children, my children, her grandson, we just, they lived in Aranal and we just really hit it off. And she took Anushka and Anushka became her, her one of the horses that she loves very, very much. And so we started to, we talked about our dreams and our passions. At that time, I was running my hotel and doing my yoga and horses and I'm have, doing some retreats, but little, you know, I had the main, I had the hotel. So my yoga with horses and everything else, that was a little bit on the side as far as business wise was doing. And she was an up and out and out and she was managing, she had her horses and they'd move there to get away from what the a lifestyle they didn't want to live any longer elsewhere. And um, she was managing other rental homes and a hotel herself. And these are all very stressful. Even living in the beautiful nature where we do, it's still a very stressful, stressful lifestyle having a hotel. It's quite horrendous, actually. <laughs> Anyways, so we were ta started talking, imagining the dream we had. And we wanted to have this dream together. We were going to create this community, this place of kindred spirits, where we would, um, I would do yoga, she would do this, I would do that. We were just started to dream about it, talk about it. And it was her husband, exactly. And he said, and we'll call it Kindred Spirits because we came together as Kindred oh, Spirits. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. And um, life happens and they went their ways and I went my way. So I went on to create actually Kindred Spirits without them, sadly, but it had to be that way. Um, since then, we've reconnected and actually she'll be on a podcast coming up soon. Um, talking about the Carolyn Resnick method and her experiences with horses and what she did afterwards as well. But that's where Kindred Spirits came. And it, it came some from, from a story, a friendship of Kindred Spirits and a love for, for nature, for horses, for life, and for making a difference, for putting a little bit more light in the world or planting seeds. We just wanted to make a difference. It wasn't about making a business, although we have to make money. But our ideas when we first dreamt it and when I continue to do with it myself is a way to teach others, to guide others, and to also share what others have to bring when they come as well, because the teacher is the student as well, always. And I always try to keep that in my relationships with people come. I'm not just the teacher. I'm also the student. I'm their student. I'm other people's students. I'm a student of life. And I like to remind people to always be student of life. So kindred spirits does mean a lot for me as the words itself of kindred spirits and also the story behind it too. I mean, it's so deep rooted into uh, the meaning and how you chose that it's a beautiful story. I, I didn't know that, that <laughs> the, the reason why you call it kindred spirit, I was always wondering, you know, and I knew I, I was going to ask you that one day and it's, it comes from a beautiful place, very deep. Uh, Terry, what is your biggest fear? And how do you face your fears? What okay. is your biggest fear? This is not going to sound very yogi, but you know, got to be satya, practice satya, keep it true. My biggest fear is lack of money. I will not say it is. I've struggled with money my whole life because I am a dreamer. 
I'm a creative person. I'm an artist. I painted. I've done several things. I've written. Um, so I am definitely of the um, uh, right brain type. I'm not so logical. So uh, managing money isn't my biggest. <laughs> you um, could be yeah. logical when you want to. You could. <laughs> I can be. I try to. I've had to. I mean, the hotel business, even if I didn't like it, I had to tell you, it taught me a lot. It taught me a yeah. lot about business, how to manage people, difficult situations. So I am grateful. It did teach me a lot, that for sure. But I guess, you know, and, and now even more in these times of head, loss, uh, lack of money um, is a big thing. So, yes, I have to practice a lot of yoga. I have to go out with my horses a lot. I have to keep it real, keep it to the essential of what I need today, what has to be done today. Because it is something that is now, I mean, before I could, I could say I could have it under control, I could manage this, create this. But in the situation, and so many people out, you, out there, you listeners, I'm sure you're all so in many difficult positions. So it's like, I just remind myself, well, you're not alone. Everyone else is out there is in the same boat. And we could all, my feeling is the only way I'm going to, to manage to, and this could go on. I mean, I'm not saying the virus could go on. But in a new world, we have to shift our way of thinking and our shift away of being. So if we're going to get stuck of survival mode and making money and everything else, we're continuing more of the same. And that's not going to help us progress or transform as a person, nor, nor as humanity. Because the world, the planet's doing fine. It's going to survive with or without us. I mean, yeah. we can do all these terrible things to us. And I do believe in global warming, of course. Um, but the planet will survive. Well, the humans might not, but the planet. Yeah. <laughs> so um, what we have to work is on humanity, right? So we have to begin to ourselves. And um, my fear of lack of money, like many I'm sure are out there, and lack of finances, I'm dealing with it um, really trying to stay, okay, I, can't have, I don't have control of this, so I'm practicing non-attachment. I'm doing what I can, what I can do to the best. And what I can't do, I'm letting go. I have to let go what I cannot do. And there's tons of things sometimes I try to do things. It's going to lead me nowhere. It's a waste of my energy. It's a waste of my forces. But at the same time, I want to keep that move, momentum of movement going on in my life, not to become stagnant. Yoga is not about doing nothing and just giving up. It's about, yeah. It is about being very proactive. It's about acting and our responsibilities in life and how we manage that. So we have to, we have to stay really present and remind ourselves in that way. So that's well, my I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure with the pandemic that's going on around right now and, you know, the struggle about, you know, because basically you're, you're funded on, uh, I don't like to put it this way, but mostly on your yoga teacher trainings and people coming in for workshops and uh, horse programs, which is your one -on -one. passion, mm -hmm. which is one-on-one, -on -one, your passion. And also you're trying, you know, to, to make a living out of this not in a bad way, but, mm -hmm. you know, this is your bread. And uh, the pandemic has probably hit you uh, in such a way. But how, does, how did this transform you mentally and work around technology or to advance <laughs> into it? Because I know Terry and I, you know, she's a Pisces, by the way. Right there, you're Pisces, yes, right? Yes, I'm a Pisces. <laughs> and uh, we're very much in the air all the time. And we're not very technological and... Uh, <laughs> So I'm sure it's been, it's been a challenge for you to get everything out. And the way when I, when I was presenting Terry at the beginning, introduction, thing that she's a warrior, she's definitely a warrior because she's not afraid to put her feet into what she does not know. And just seeing her grow and, you know, I was trying to give her some tips sometimes about something and I see like she's ahead of the game. I have to ask her about technology now. <laughs> no, no, no. So, so how, how, does, how, how, how did this whole COVID, you know, help you move on? And how do you, are you developing your new courses coming up or what you have to offer, you know, online? If you can share that a little bit. And, well, uh, it's been challenging, challenging times indeed. I mean, um, this whole technology and putting myself online. I mean, I am I'm a person who likes contact having the person in front of yeah. me that's how I'm as best as a teacher and so to have to teach online to a screen or to a camera I mean I froze I mean the amount of hours I would just be completely shut down that screen I cannot talk to this camera <laughs> yeah. it was so hard and so challenging but I had to push myself because it was the path that we had to follow and um 
And yoga, it's like in, when you pra- you're asana practice, you have to push yourself a little bit to your edge, slightly little over the edge without hurting yourself and come back again. So I kind of decided to approach it that way. I would go a little bit past <laughs> my comfort zone and then whoo, back up and where I was comfortable again. And then each time a little bit further and a little bit further. That under the guidance of my daughter and her pushing and kicking Johanna and I to be better, better online um, subjects and teachers uh, did a lot too. It's been, it's been interesting. Um, I've learned to actually enjoy doing the online classes the, uh, when we were doing the live ones on Instagram. Um, I had to stop that for a while because we're doing a lot of other things at the moment. But I did, uh, I did finally start to enjoy that in a different way. It was interesting. And also another way of connecting to people. And now, so what we're doing right now is we've been doing a lot of videoing, creating our online content for yogi horse women and yogi horse people in general, um, which is, again, it's not from just the physical aspect. It's also from the emotional and mental aspect to find balance in our lives and with our horses. So we're doing a lot of that. And... Um, Are you planning to teach online, YTTs online? How do well, your YTT look like? The thing is with YTTs, when this first started, we thought, okay, this is a road we're going to have to go down doing YTTs online. But I have to say from how I feel now, and I could be wrong, and I might change my opinion in the future. And it is certainly no critic to others that are doing it very, very well out there in many different ways. Um, but from my personal feeling, I don't feel comfortable right now to teach something that is so important, yoga teacher training. Um, right. People come, young people especially, but I have people of all ages, even older women, men of different ages that come. Um, but in that first, in the first 200 hours, 300 hours is different. They're already established in themselves. But in the first 200, there's a lot of emotions. There are sometimes girls who have just left their parents' home. There's um, older women who are divorced and have, you know, the kids are grown up. But they're all going through their, I'm getting older. Who am I now? What is my next step in my life? Or the young one who, and so all, and yoga brings out a lot of emotions. The pra- practice of asana and pranayama is moving a lot of energies within us. So how can I take care of them as a teacher if I don't have them with, in front of me? How can I guide them properly? I can teach them. I can teach them the history. can teach them how to do the pose. We can teach them all these things. But how can I teach them at the personal level where they need personal guidance? And I'm not a therapist and I don't pretend to be, but I do observe my students and sometimes push to some places where they don't want to go and they think I'm a horrible person or don't like it or <laughs> think I'm judging them, which I'm not, but I'm pushing them to the edge where they need to go if they're going to evolve. And I think that, that, that part of it, I don't, I, for the moment, I can't see how I can do that in a YTT. So I've sort of hesitated and so far I'm not doing it. Um, I'm not saying I won't do it in the future, but I have to find the way that I can comfortably do it because I do want to be there as a teacher. And so does Johanna, who is, you know, as you know, my partner and teacher in the yes. YTT. And we really feel this is an important ingredient. Uh, and uh, if we find a way that we can do this, we will do it maybe next year. I mean, there is, there is definitely nothing wrong, like you said, you know, to give it online teacher trainings no. and uh, knowing Terry and knowing her energy and she's an energy healer and she works with energies. I completely see uh, your point of view on that. And again, there is no wrong. You know, some people oh. are very gifted to pass very that good. on, mm-hmm. you know, through the internet and through these platforms. And uh, I see your end to your side and Terry has so much to share. And when I say so much to share, it's not just about yoga. She lives yoga. And uh, she is yoga and she, she gives it to you directly on the one hand and she'll catch it up. She catch up to it. If you're not feeling good today, she'll know it. She'll make a point and she'll move away. She'll make you think about it. She has her own magical way of, you know, reading people's mind. And again, in your intro, when I was reading your intro, and that's why I referred to, and I'm glad you actually touched upon that. And, uh, but Terry, um, in your life, to you, who is the most important, powerful, most beautiful, loving, most inspirational, most respectable, and prominent person in your life that you know? Oh, wow. <sighs> the most prominent person in your life. Well. There's no right answer. 
there's been many people that have inspired me and been my teachers. I kind of feel teachers are gurus. They come into our life many at different times, different places. And you might not see them as a guru at the time, but they've come into your life and taught you something in these many episodes. And they move on. People come into our lives and sometimes we're sad when they leave. But it's, that experience is over. and we detachment. It's deta- not to be attached to that. Um, but Terry is so humble. She just doesn't want to say that she is the most beautiful and prominent person in her own life. And <laughs> no. you are, Terry. You are, you know, we all are in a certain way. You know, we are, we have to reflect within ourselves. We forget ourselves. And basically what yoga has taught me too is to go deeply within me and love myself and mm-hmm. understand that we are beautiful. We are amazing. And if we don't believe in it and we don't feel it, we cannot share it to the world. And the reason I'm saying that, Terry, is because you give so much out to the world. You give so much to people that she, you forget yourself. And deep inside, you are an amazing, incredible person. And um, I can't even thank you enough for everything that you have brought in, into my life. <laughs> and, you know, I know this is getting a little bit long for the podcast and don't want to you know, take much of your time. I just want to ask you maybe one last question. One last question. And, uh, well, I have a lot more. So <laughs> let me make it. No, actually, you know what? I just want to open up the space to you and share anything with the listeners and practitioners about yoga or anything, maybe about, you know, your experience, your daily routines or the, your contacts with people around what yoga has brought up to you in your life. Anything you want to share with the listeners, the audience? I think what I'd like to share to our listeners, because we're all in this, going through these similar experiences right now and what's happening Mm -hmm. to everyone. And I really, really um, would like to say to everyone, don't give up hope. The light is there. The light is always shining within each of us. And the light is out there in others too. See that light. Trust that light. Find that light. Trust your gut feelings. And even if you feel that you're stuck and can't do anything, you're not stuck. You can find ways to do things within yourself, around you, but always look for some forward movement. Practice that being still to see what you need to do and then keep up with it. There's always the light. The light is always there. It's never, ever gone. No matter how dark it may seem, it is never, ever gone. Just keep looking for that light. And many people have different ways to find the light. It can be through religion. It can be through their family, through their husband, their wife, their daughters. It can be through their animals, their horses. For me, it's my horses. Yoga, it's my daughters. It's, my, it's the nature around me. It's the people I meet constantly looking for that light. Sometimes it's hard to see the light in some of the people, especially in this world today. I'm talking about some leaders out there, no names. But um, even then you think, okay, this is an awakening. And there's always, I feel for me that there's a reason sometimes. And I'm not trying to say this. I come from a place, I have lost my husband from the COVID virus, Lexi's father. So I'm not saying this easily because I know people are severing and have lost ones. And we too could not go to the hospital to say goodbye to him. We too could not see his remains afterwards. There was no funeral. There was nothing. So I come from a place of my own experience of this too. So I deeply understand others out there, but understand too that there is the light and, and, and you need to find it. You need to see that light within you so you can let it shine outwards because that's what the world needs. That's what humanity needs. And look, to, whatever you find that light, look towards it, whether it's in the horse's eyes, whether it's in your yoga practice or your religion, your prayers or your art or your singing or your dancing. My daughter, it's dancing. Um, Lexi has her other ways of seeing, finding her light, which is horses right now. She's discovered the light in horses and she's passionate about horses. Um, everyone has that. Look for your spark and follow it. Beautiful, said uh, Terry. Oof. I mean, the universe will never put on us any burden that we can handle. And Terry has definitely been an example of that. She's dealing with this every single day of her life, whether she knows it's consciously or subconsciously. And she knows and she speaks behind her words when she says, just find the light. She keep finding the light into everything. 
And I mean, I wish I can ask you more questions there. There's so much <laughs> I want to ask you, you know, just for, go ahead and follow Terry, just see her new archery uh, <laughs> journey that she's taking on horses. And uh, she does a lot of good things. Don't hesitate to check our, all her podcasts, her pages. I mean, I had the most beautiful experience of my life. And I speak from a very deep place uh, <clears throat> in my journey, the past, my recent journey was at Terry's property uh, and sharing this sacred space with Terry and her family. And I really, 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 really thank you for that. And I'm, I'm not going to be vulnerable or vulnerable, whichever way it is, you know, just coming from a very macho background, you know, men's are supposed to be macho and everything and not showing feelings. I could say that the last time I cried was at, uh, Terry's property, Terry's place. And it was just the connection because she had sparked this light within me and I couldn't hold myself. And I realized that it's okay sometimes even to cry. It's okay to express yourself, whether you're a man or a woman or an animal or whatever it is, you know, it's, it's okay to share your feelings. And I thank you, Terry, for everything that you've done to me and everything that you've done to the world and the people around you and your horses and your animals and your family. I mean, you're, you're just shedding light to everybody. You just shed a lot of light to everybody. And I'm, I'm so grateful for your existence. And I thank the universe for that. With that said, uh, I guess let's take a deep breath. I'd like to say and, one thing before we, yeah, before go we ahead. say goodbye. Go ahead, Terry. I wanted Don't to make thank me you. cry. Well, I want to thank you very much for being part of our lives. You had a strong light when you arrived and you've connected with that light even stronger. And, and now you're starting to feel that um, strength and power to share your light with others. And honestly, anyone that follows you or is by your side will, will hugely benefit from your light. Honestly, you're in your experiences and how you study and your knowledge and where you're going with that is amazing. So, yeah, you're a very special thank person. You, so thank you very much. And, um, yeah. Oh, I also wanted to remind you that I'm looking very forward to interviewing you next time. You'll be on the other side in another podcast in a couple of weeks um, to share your experiences. I'll be honored. I'll be honored, Terry. Thank you so much. And blessings to you and your family and everybody that you know. And talk to you soon. Yeah, blessings. Let's all close with one round of Aum. Everyone closing their eyes, their hands in Namaskar at your heart center. And just take three deep breaths. Just feel present in this moment of where you are, wherever you are. Just allow yourself to be who you are right now. That's all you need to be. Peace in our hearts. Peace in our lives. Peace in the world. Namaste. Thank you, Abbas. And thank you to our listeners. Have a beautiful day thank out you. there. Thank Remember you. to smile and shine your light. Yay. <laughs>